no matter how long you've been in church, I mean, I've been in church all my life. It's still a privilege to come to the house of the Lord, amen, and to worship God. And I, I count it, amen. I'm grateful, amen, that God has kept his hand upon me uh, through the years, and, and I'm here, amen. And, and what it really shows and speaks to me is that God is faithful, amen, and God will finish what he starts in our lives, amen. God will finish what he starts in our lives. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Now I'm thankful that God has invested in my life, amen, and uh, God is uh, just getting started, amen. God is just getting started. If you have your Bibles directing your attention this Night to the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse number 1. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Don't let Sister Gina steal your joy. Bring your Bible to church. Amen. Because what will you do when Sister Gina's not behind the computer? (laughs) Come on now. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part. In other words, not the whole thing, but just a part of what they had uh, been, God had directed them to give. And they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said... When Ananias came in, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? He says in verse number four, whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Verse 5 says, And Ananias, hearing these words, according to the scriptures, he fell down and gave up the ghost. Everyone say he died. died. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And verse 6 says, And the young men arose, they wound him up, and they carried him out, and they buried him. This happens in the middle of a service, in the middle of a gathering. Verse 7 continues, and it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whither ye sold the land for so much. Amen. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door. And shall carry thee out. And verse 10 says. Then fell she down straightway. At his feet. And yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in. And found her dead. And carrying her forth. Buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all. The church. And upon as many as heard these things. Amen. Would you set your Bibles down and let's pray and ask the Lord if he would talk to us. Amen. I want to receive what God has from my life today. God, we come before your throne tonight, God, as we go to the word of the Lord. And we're asking you tonight, God, 
We're lifting up our voices as one body, one voice tonight, God. And we're asking you to speak to us, God. Would you please, God, speak a word to us today, God. Would you anoint me, Lord, to to deliver your word to your people, God. Would you anoint every heart and every mind to receive your word here tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that you would deliver your word to, Lord, the areas of our lives that are in need of a word from heaven tonight. Lord, let it profit the people of God. Let it profit the church of the living God tonight. And we give you glory and honor tonight. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. Thank you for standing and for worshiping the Lord with us. Amen. The Greek word pathos is a noun which means passion and emotion. That word pathos, it's a root word from the Greek language. And that word pathos, it is a warmth or vehemence in a speaker uh, when a Preacher or a speaker um, has that pathos, that passion. You can feel it through the message that he's delivering. And in language, it is that which excites emotions and passions. You can be reading a uh, words on a page that you find in a book or a newspaper, and it can excite pathos. It can excite passion or emotion in your uh, being. Uh, But when the preposition A, everyone say A. A. When the preposition A comes in front of this word, you now have the word apathy, which is the antithesis of pathos. And apathy is a state of indifference. If we're going to define it tonight as at the uh, beginning of this message tonight, apathy is a state of indifference. Or the suppression of emotions such as concern, excitement, motivation, or passion. Apathy is the suppression of those uh, of the emotional side and the passion side of a human being. An apathetic individual has an absence of interest uh, in or concern about emotional, social, spiritual, philosophical, or the physical life and the world around them. An apathetic individual is one that is indifferent and has suppressed emotions about certain things in their life. Simply put, apathy is a lack of action. It is a lack of love. And number three, apathy is neglect. According to an article written in the Huffington Post in December of 2017, uh, I began researching and preparing for this message. And I like the the words that were used in a uh, general publication about apathy. It states it like this. Apathy was commonly used by the Stoics to describe an indifference or lack of concern, lack of emotion and lack of feeling. Apathy is not subjective to energy or effort from the brain, but nonetheless, it can be exhausting. Our bodies use, and here's the interesting thought here tonight, our bodies use apathy. Apathy is something that we develop as human beings to uh, deal with situations in life that constantly come up, but 
Our body uses apathy to make the irregular things in life regular. Apathy is something that the human body uh, develops, uh, if you will, kind of a coating over the uncomfortable things of life. And it helps us to deal with the irregular things that happen in life. You say, well, give me an example. You can uh, go on to YouTube and watch uh, news clips. You can look at a newspaper and read. And throughout your day, you can get uh, uh, notifications on your phone. And literally every 30 minutes is breaking news. To the point that it's not really even anything exciting anymore or anything that really surprises you. Because you've learned to develop and your body develops apathy. And it learns to deal with the irregular things of life and to make them regular. I hope this is making sense tonight. Uh, But our body uses apathy to make the irregular things regular. Or to cope with distresses that appear impossible to solve. Amen. You can go through life and there can be so many things that you come up against that eventually you reach a point where you say, you know what? I don't really even care. It doesn't even bother me. That's just how it is in life. That's just how this process or this person is. And we become apathetic to the different situations and and dealings that we have in life. The bombardment, as I mentioned a moment ago, the bombardment of breaking news every few minutes uh, nearly creates apathy in the minds and the hearts of people. And problems unlike before uh, are more transnational than ever. Now we hear about news and we hear about things like the coronavirus and there's all of these things. And I'm pretty sure nobody in here wigged out about the coronavirus and went out. The reason I say this is because nobody here tonight is wearing a mask. You've learned to deal with irregular situations in life. You've learned to deal with the irregularities of life and how to coax with them. You've learned how to make the irregular things regular in life. And problems are more transnational than ever. In the past, issues could be tackled through the framework of the international state system, whereby a problem within one's border was handled by state jurisdictions. Stay with me for a moment. This is simply not the case in today's ever-changing landscape. The writer goes, he says, disputes have been, have broken boundaries, have become more convoluted, and thus we have great difficulty comprehending the problems in the world. And it is this increase in complexity that parallels with a surge in apathy. As we constantly are bombarded with issues in the world and now we're a more connected world than we have ever been in the history of mankind and and something that happens in a far off land such as China now has come home uh, and and now it affects us in our minds. But we've learned to coach, uh, we've learned to deal with things and we've learned uh, how to process the irregular things of life and we develop a spirit of apathy. So much uh, so to the point that nothing affects us the way that it ought to or the way that it used to in, in times past. Yeah. Because now we know how to deal with things. And, and you can see it in the church house. The preacher can 
stand behind the pulpit and because you've watched so many horror flicks through your life and through your existence and you you see what ugly looks like and you see what scary looks like, the preacher can stand behind the pulpit and he can preach about a red hot fiery hell and people are not affected and they're not changed and they're not moved in their spirit because they learn to deal with the things of this world and they learn to uh, deal, make the irregular things regular and sell so now nothing really affects the people anymore. Because preacher, you can't scare me more than the scary movie that I watched last Friday night or I watched last week or last month. That was scary and your preaching doesn't scare me because we learn to make the irregular things regular. And we say, well, this is just, I'm just used to this. I've seen it so much before. And I've learned how to deal with the stresses and the issues in life. And I've learned how to coax and and deal with things. And it is the increase in complexity that parallels with a surge in apathy. We innocently want to avoid negative feelings. And distance ourselves from obstacles with hurdles seemingly too perplexing to fathom. So we learn how to deal with the irregular things of life. Perhaps it's because we feel helpless. And believe potential solutions are insufficient. So we learn to be apathetic. Well, you know what? I came to church... And I was the only one worshiping. And I'm tired of trying by myself. I came to church and I, I gave it my all for a short spin, short stint, a short period of time. And it didn't do much. So I'm going to allow apathy to set in. And I'm going to become comfortable with the irregular things. Because in the word of God, in the Bible, amen, the apostolic church, the first century church was a church that had revival, was a church that had miracles, signs and wonders. And it still is the destiny and the promise of the church in 2020 to have what the first century church had. But we can get coaxed into a spirit of apathy and think, well, this is just how things ought to be and this is how things are so that's how they'll always be and we allow apathy to grip our hearts and to take hold of us because it's something that's seemingly too complex and we haven't figured out how to crack the code and we haven't figured things out so we we hunker down and we, we, we withdraw ourselves into a spirit of apathy and we learn to make the irregular things regular when God did not intend for the irregular things to be regular in your life. Amen. When God did not intend you. Amen. To always fall back in defeat. Amen. To fall back into your own paths of depression. To your own paths of anxiety. To your own paths of unfaithfulness. To your own paths of being unholy. God's called you. Amen. To be a giant killer. Amen. God's called you. Amen. To be victorious. Hallelujah, the day in which the church ceases to be a conquering church and is relegated to a spirit of apathy and a hopeless despair settles upon the church is the day in which the church begins to deteriorate and the church begins to, amen, go back into reverse. But apathy 
is more than just indifference. It is an attitude that we must abandon. There seems to be some propensity to wait for somebody else to act and to take the initiative. And every one of us will be quick to defend ourselves and say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not apathetic. I have a hunger for God. Uh, but so many times, amen, we, we wait for somebody else to make the first move. We wait for somebody else to take the initiative. We, we wait for somebody else to drive things forward. And when God has called each and every one of us into the priesthood of the believer, amen, every single one of us bears responsibility before God for our actions. And the future of the church is in the palm of our hand. Amen. It's potential latent within the believer tonight. Attitude is more than just indifference. Hallelujah. We are at the time in the world's history this writer would go on to say, keep in mind a few, most of this words is from a writer in the Huffington Post, a liberal newspaper, a liberal article, but somebody uh, began to understand some things about how apathy works. We are at a time, this writer says, in the world's history in which there are 1.8 billion youth in the world, the largest population of youth ever, and youth engagement can truly revolutionize the world. I need some young people to shout out hallelujah tonight. Come on, I need some young people to shout out hallelujah tonight. Come on, you didn't hear me tonight. I said shout out hallelujah. Come on, shout again. Hallelujah. Amen. The problem is, is we wait for somebody else to take the initiative. The problem is, is we think somebody else will shout it out. We think somebody else will catch the vision. And in the meantime, we can sit back and wait. And we can allow apathy to drink our hearts. And cause us to be indifferent to the voice of God in our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I said tonight, uh, amen, that your mother was getting ready to get uh, ran over by a truck in front of the road outside the church, you would shout out, Mom, move. Amen. But we all shout, hallelujah. And there's still timidity in an apostolic church. I'm here to tell you tonight, we need to stop being apathetic to the voice of God. And we need to say, yes, yes, yes. God, whatever you want for me, Lord. Hallelujah. It was apathy that caused, amen, the king, as the prophet said, smite the ground, and God will give victory. And that king, he simply hit the ground with a stick three times. One, two, and three. And the prophet rebuked him. And he said, oh, let me tell you, king, if you would have smoked the ground until I said stop, you would have got such great victory. But because of your apathetic spirit, I'm only going to give you measured victory in your life. The king that the prophet spoke to could have said like many of us, well, I did what you told me to do. I'm not apathetic. I did what you told me to do. But God wants to test the level of our passion tonight. 
God wants to test the level of our desire tonight. God wants to test, amen, and see if we've allowed apathy to get a hold of us in our spirit and to settle upon a church. Youth engagement, as we mentioned, can revolutionize the world. It can foster a change that begins at the root, repairing and, pre- and preventing adverse outcomes. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 6, the writer says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The others in this uh, particular verse of scripture is referring to the rest of the world in the Greek language. The unconverted and sleep as it's written here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6 is worldly apathy to spiritual things. Therefore, let us not sleep as do the unconverted. Let us not be apathetic to the things of God, to the voice of God. Amen. To the preaching of the word of God, to the spirit of God. Let us not be apathetic as the world outside, but let us as a church say, just give me something to do, pastor. Just tell me what I got to do and I'll do with all of my heart. I'll not just say, uh, I'll do a little bit just to suffice the man of God or just to suffice the, the commandment of the scriptures. But but God, I'll go above and beyond. Amen. What's required of us. Amen. God begins to spell it out in the scripture. But God doesn't always spell out the excess things that you can do for him. God allows you to exemplify and to show forth your passion and your desire and your zeal for the things of God. Amen. There is nowhere in Scripture, amen, that Elisha uh, was required uh, to to do the things he did to be saved. But Elisha wanted the blessings of God. He had to go a little bit further than all the other prophets around him. Because God was looking for somebody that would give him everything. That would go above and beyond. That would say, preacher, uh, you don't have to worry about me being on time to church. I'll be there for the Paul for pre-service prayer. Don't have to worry about me, preacher, paying my tithe. I'm going to also give an offering to missions I'll give. Amen. Don't have to worry about me, preacher. Amen. Praying through in an altar call. I'm going to help pray somebody else through in the altar call. I'm going to go above and beyond what's required of me. Hallelujah. He says, but let us watch and be sober. Literally, watch for Christ's coming. Be awake. Be sober. Refrain from carnal indulgence, mental or sensual, according to 1 Peter 5 and 8. That's the word that's used there. Uh, But you need to refrain from carnal indulgence, mental or sensual. I'm going to tell you, only in the church you're going to hear something like this. Where someone says, refrain from indulging in the things of this world. Because everything else around you says indulge. 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 Get involved in all the things that's going on in the world. In entertainment and shows and in the business of life. Indulge in that. Amen. Switching uh, scriptures to the book of Haggai. uh, Chapter 1, verse number 9. He says, you look for much. The prophet Haggai receives a word from the Lord. You look for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. 
Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. The prophet Haggai delivering a word from the Lord to the people of God in his day. And he's beginning to let them know, you know what? You're doing a lot of good things to to, uh, propel yourself forward in life and to elevate yourself. And you're being good stewards of, uh, of your finances. But you know what? You're leaving out the main thing. And the main thing has to always be the things of God. God has to be at the forefront because according to the scripture in Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 9, if God is second, if God is third or fourth, anything but first place, the efforts you take, you take on the endeavors you involve yourself in in this life, the Bible says that God is able to blow upon them and cause it to come to naught. The Hebrew infinitive here in this word expresses a continued looking. A continued looking. A looking. What else can I do? What else can I do? Anything but come to church and pray. Anything but be faithful in giving to the Lord. Anything but don't involve the things of God. Amen. You can see it so many times. You can invite somebody out. Amen. Let's go to this get together, this party. And we'll be the first to say, let's go. Let's have some fun. But you can ask the same person at a different time. You know what? Let's go to church and pray. Well, you know, my calendar looks a little bit busy and the time is sure getting away from me. And you know what? Uh, it's just not a convenient time. Uh, and we, we are so quick to pursue our own self-interest and, and self-gain. But the, when it comes to the things of God in the house of God, we say, no. Don't ask me, pastor. Don't ask me, preacher. Don't ask me about those things. I'd rather change the subject. I'd rather talk about something different, something that's more agreeable with my nature, with my character, more more agreeable with my schedule and my calendar and the things that I like to do. Don't ask me, Pastor, to come and pray. Don't ask me to be faithful in giving. Don't ask me to teach a Bible study. Don't ask me to busy myself in the kingdom of God. Don't ask me. But somebody else comes along and gives us some alternatives that are appealing to our flesh. And oh, yes, let's go now. Yeah, now let's do it. I love spare the moment. I love having fun like this. We're all guilty. He says you run in this verse of scripture, expressing the keenness of every one of them in pursuing their own selfish interests. We will make haste to pursue our own selfish gain. We won't walk and do it. We'll drive fast to go or we want to go to the party or whatever it is that's appealing to our flesh. We'll run. We'll express. We'll, we'll, we, will, we will reveal uh, urgency in our actions. We will run to selfish interests. But come to church. You know, I got stuck in a lot of traffic because I left a little bit late to church. You know, uh, there's so many things that happened to me. And... We can go down the list. Go down the list. But when someone says, hey, I got a $1,000 lottery ticket, with, and it's up for grabs, whichever of my five friends responds to this text message first and gets here, you will bet your boots, amen, you're going to get there and you're going to beat everybody else. Because that is important to your selfish gain. 
and interest. But the things of God. Haggai addressed this in the nation. He says, my house is laid waste, but you run, you express urgency, every man to his own affairs. What causes apathy? Apathy is caused by several things that I want to bring to your attention tonight. The first is ignorance and not hearing the word of God because either they stayed home from church or never had the opportunity to hear preaching or teaching. Here is where most sinners in the world exist. Amen. You can talk to a sinner many times on the street about their lost condition and about the fact that that if they don't repent of their sins, they're going to go to a devil's hell and split hell wide open. And they'll look at you and say, well, I don't care. Apathy is set in because of their ignorance to the things of God. But that same ignorance that produces apathy in the heart of the sinner can also get into your heart. When there's not a faithful attendance to the house of God. And God speaks things and and the preacher comes and declares a prophetic word. And because you weren't there, you missed out on the encouraging thing that God wanted to give you. And now you become apathetic. God, I'm just dealing with this stuff. And God says, I I spoke to the church on this Sunday and on that Wednesday and and this service and that service. And you weren't there. you, you, You missed out. And I wanted to help you. But apathy gets into our hearts. The second thing that that causes apathy is preoccupation. In Acts chapter 24 and 25, the governor Felix responds to the witness of the apostle Paul with this word. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He was preoccupied with the things of this world. And because of that preoccupation, says, I agree. Hey, no disagreements for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Understand. Believe it. Yeah. But I just, it's just not convenient. I heard it said some time ago, and I've never forgot it, that revival, a move of God, will always be inconvenient. It will always be inconvenient. It will always be inconvenient. The third thing that causes apathy is laziness. And this is a person that will just simply look at their phone all day long or play games. Look at the news all day long. Dilly-dally around looking at magazines. Waste their time. Laziness. I'll pray later. I I just don't feel like it right now. I'll read my Bible later. I just don't feel like it now. My, My phone is just... Sucking the life out of me and taking all of my time and all of my energies. And, and I don't know. I haven't learned how to set the phone down. Put it on silent and just get to praying. And I just get lazy. Laziness. The fourth thing is selfishness. This is people who say my time is valuable. And can be better spent doing something other than giving my precious years to the, to the kingdom of God. To God and to the church. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 19, it says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Selfishness brought on apathy to this man. And there was a word from the Lord that came to this man in this particular verse of Scripture and said, This night, you fool, your soul's required of thee. This night, your soul's required of thee. 
a pressure test if we were to uh, conduct a test for apathy in the church and in your life and you answer these questions for yourself amen to see have I become apathetic have I allowed apathy to get into my heart is am I still prayerful like I once was am I still passionate for the lost amen am I still passionate to reach a world around me do I hunger for the word of God do I hunger for the word of God Has my attendance been in decline to the house of God? Have I been indifferent to the needs of others around me? A pressure test for apathy. The dangers of apathy is, number one, it is contagious. When one person is apathetic, others become apathetic as well. And they say things like this, well, if they don't care, then why should I care? Right. Your apathetic spirit and demeanor affects somebody else. But when you come to church and, and it's not, you know what, I don't want this uh, to be a dry service or a dead service. I'm just going to worship God. I'm going to get crazy lost in talking to the Lord and praising God. And lift up my voice. Somebody else will look around and say, man, that feels pretty good over here. We're sister so-and-so. Our brother so-and-so is worshiping God. Amen. I want to worship him some more. Apathy is contagious. Apathy. Number two. Will result in atrophy. Atrophy. This is a condition of malnourishment. That causes degeneration. A person that is uh, apathetic. If they allow that spirit to linger in their lives for very long, they become, uh, they get that state of atrophy where they begin to just be stagnant and stale and they don't move and they don't do anything for God. And they, they, allow, uh, they allow themselves to be, uh, to have that spirit of atrophy and that state of atrophy and you ask them to move or to lift a hand to God. And because they've been apathetic for so long and atrophy is set in, it's so hard to lift up my hands. It feels weird to jump for joy. It feels odd to run the aisles because I've been apathetic for so long that now atrophy is setting to my life. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 18 says, because of laziness the building decays and through idleness of hands the house leaks. The third thing is apathy will end in death. The desire of the lazy man, according to Proverbs 21 and 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. His hands refuse to labor. And that desire of the lazy man will kill him. It's such a serious topic tonight that if you and I are not on guard, and as the Bible says, take an inventory. Now let a man examine himself. I've done this so many times in my life. God, where am I at right now? Am I gone? Have I gone back, God? Am I going forward? Am I, st- am I stagnant? Am I stationary, God? Or am I, am I still mobile? Am I still moving forward? Where, where am I right now, God? Have I let go of some things? Or have I, have I grabbed a hold of some good things? And you're moving me forward. Where am I right now? Each and every one of us has got to take inventory. 
Because if you refuse to take inventory and you don't allow the preach of the word to affect you anymore, that apathy will become, amen, atrophy and it will result in your spiritual death and dying. Hallelujah. I made up in my mind a long time ago. I was going to live for God till my dying day. To the very last day. Matthew 25 and 26. We're quickly moving. Amen. Through this tonight. But his Lord answered and said unto him. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. And gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him. And give it to him who has ten talents. Amen. God requires us. God expects us to be engaged. To be busy. To work for him. To go forward. To get involved. Amen. Finally, how can you overcome apathy tonight? I'm going to give you a couple of bullet points, but I'm going to sum it up with something at the end. Amen. The first thing is spiritual nourishment is needed. If you think about a person that is uh, has apathy and goes to atrophy, uh, their, their body has not moved. It's hard to move that body. It becomes stale, stagnant, stiff, starchy, hard. It, it just it's just it's not malleable no more. It's just set it set there, and you can't move it. Amen. Spiritual nourishment is re- required, and the second thing is spiritual exercise is needed. Amen. In order for that person with atrophy to begin to break that hold of atrophy upon his body he's got to begin to move although slow in the beginning he's got to stretch himself and say it's hard to do this it's difficult for me but if I'm going to recover from this atrophy I've got to begin to move and I've got to begin to stretch myself I haven't been the eyes in a long time and it feels funny but I'm going to begin to run the aisles. I'm going to begin to jump and though it may feel odd I don't want that to be a sin. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to say, God, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm moving. I'm exercising my faith. Spiritual exercise is required to overcome apathy. My title tonight is Overcoming Apathy. That's my title. Overcoming Apathy. Spiritual exercise is required. What it looks like so many times is pastor, preacher, evangelist says, let's all stand and worship the Lord. You're thinking, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I have a headache. I feel weak. And blah, 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 blah. But the preacher said, worship the Lord. But atrophy is there upon you. And it's hard. Jesus. That the man with the withered hand, God said, stretch forth thy hand. It was withered. He probably said, God, this thing is not, it's, it's been like this for since I was a kid. It's withered. God said, stretch it. Okay, God, it's just a little muscle. Just a little muscle. Just a little bit. And he began to say, God, this, this is, wow, I, I haven't opened up this far. And he could have stopped pushing himself and stretching himself. But he said, if I want, I want my hand to be big whole, I've got to keep going. Until eventually 
I can begin to open up my hand and I can begin to worship the Lord. Amen. But it took him stretching himself on that withered hand. And it was not easy. It was a difficult thing to do. It was something that they, we could easily say, well, preacher, if you knew my condition, you wouldn't have the audacity to ask me to do such an act. Amen. But the word of faith, when it goes forth, if you and I will understand how faith works and will reach out and say, if the preacher said to run the aisles, then I can't walk with my healing. It's going to come when I begin to run the aisles. When I begin to dance, I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to exercise my faith. Another way you can exercise your faith, amen, to avoid atrophy and to avoid apathy is go on and get a home Bible study. Yes, I said it. Each and every one of us get a home Bible study. You say, I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know everything there is to know. Get a Bible study. You can do it. Someone as young as Brother Corday back here can get a Bible study. You say, well, I don't know all the scriptures. That's okay. You can sometimes just read the Bible study. And you'll find out, you know what? That was not that hard. Man, you know what? I feel pretty good about this. I'm making a friend. I'm developing a relationship. I'm, I'm discovering new confidence and abilities. And I'm getting the word in my heart. And, and this person's seeing things. And, and I affected their eternity at a young age of eight or nine or ten. Stretching yourself. Resisting in atrophy. Resisting apathy. Show up to prayer. Be faithful to church. Be faithful in tithe and giving offerings. It keeps you kingdom conscious. Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse number 39. Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 39. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are. Where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. The writer equates neglect of the things of God to a person that does not give unto the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12 and verse 42. The other thing that will produce uh, you will help you to overcome apathy is to have some spiritual action. And the Lord said, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. When the rapture takes place, when the trumpet of the Lord sounds, may it happen in a time in which I am working for the Lord. I am doing something for God. And I'm not looking at something that has no significance on my phone 
or playing a video game that has no significance, but may his appearing happen when I'm working for him. May it happen when I'm praying, reading my Bible, or being just, just being a Christian. If you'd stand with me tonight as we close here tonight. Amen. We fight apathy by understanding what it is. By recognizing its dangers and by addressing it. And here we go, by simply falling back in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. God, help me to fall in love with you. It's, it always, it's something. Not in a good way. But when you can come to church and look around and people are not really praying. You can go to church and you can look around and people are just staring off into the distance. And it's supposed to be pre-service prayer or time of prayer. People are just not concerned. And, and they say, well, I'm, in, I'm at prayer, I'm at church. And I'm thinking about the Lord. But the passion's gone. The, the seal, the, the fervor, the emotion. That, that part of living for God is gone that you once had when you began. And it's been so long since you have been drunk in the Holy Ghost. It's been so long since you were spoken in tongues. It's been so long since God has touched you and you've cried and, and you've wept and, and you've sought the Lord. It's been so long, amen, before you had a breakthrough. And yet you're still okay with just going through life. And you learn to uh, think that the irregular things in life are regular. And you say, well, it's okay because I'm just in a time of my life when, amen, God wants to give victory to somebody in this place. And God wants to help you to overcome. It takes a people of God to stand up and say, I'll do something. I'll take the initiative. I'll go forward. It was the words of Albert Einstein that said it like this. The world won't be destroyed by those that do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. Amen. The definition of apathy. All it requires is you to do nothing. Just do nothing. Do nothing. And you'll become apathetic. Do nothing long enough. Atrophy sets in. And now it becomes hard. To move forward. To live for God. It becomes difficult to stretch out. Get to an altar. Reach out to God. Go a little bit extra. Don't just hit the ground three times. To suffice the man of God. Or to suffice the God of heaven. Amen. But give it your all. Amen. May each and every one of us look back on this year in which we live. And say it was in 2020. That I gave my all to God. I gave everything I had. Amen. I gave God 100%. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just take a few moments here this, this night as we close this service. Amen. I'd like for us just to begin to pray and talk to God. Amen. I want you as an individual tonight to close your eyes and to search your heart. Come on. I want you to begin to talk to God. Amen. It was at that. Uh, it was at that table of the Lord's Supper 
the last night before the crucifixion when the Lord said, somebody's going to betray me. And everybody said, is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? They begin to self-examine. Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Are you talking to me? God, they did not assume he was talking to somebody else. But they said, God, are you talking to me? Is it me, Lord? Have I become apathetic? Have I allowed atrophy? Is it me, God? Is it me, God? Talk to me, Lord, right now. Come on, would you help me right now? Would you lift your voices? Would you lift your voices? Would you reach out to God in this place tonight? Come on, however you've got to do it tonight. Come on, would you lift your voices? May we pray as the disciples at the table of the Lord's Supper. God, is it me tonight? talking to me, Lord. It's your word for me tonight. Are you talking to me, Jesus? Oh, God, are you talking to me? Because it's for me, Lord. God, help me to make a change. Renew me in the Holy Ghost. Help me to not make the irregular things of life regular. Help me to not learn coke. Ain't that a coach? Out of deal. Ain't that how we not learn coping mechanisms? Help me to pray. Help me to search my Bible. Help me to pass. Oh God. Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? you're talking to tonight, Lord. Oh, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we've got to say, God, don't let me become apathetic. I refuse to let that to be in to my spiritual walk with the Lord. I'll move. I'll stretch myself. I'll push myself. I'll allow the preacher to push me. I'll allow the, amen, the Lord to speak to me. Stretch forth your hand. Stretch it forth. I know you've got a withered hand. I know it's been a long time, but would you begin to stretch your hand forth? Would you begin to stretch yourself?
me to go above and beyond. Help me to impact my world. Is it me, Lord? 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 Hallelujah. Oh, God. God, don't let me become like Ananias and Zephyra from the opening of this message that they said, well, I'm doing my part. I'm giving my part, but I'm not giving all. I've allowed apathy to get into my life, and I think that I'm okay. I've justified my actions. But God is requiring more from my life. God, let us be the apostolic church in 2020. Let us create an atmosphere for the miraculous. Let us be the impossible with the Lord on our side. from the book of Acts. I didn't make reference to it in the message tonight. But what the application is, is you can get to the point where you say, you know what? Like Ananias and Sapphira, I've been hearing them talk about giving for so long. And all I do is talk about giving. I'll give a little bit and say it's all just to get the man off my case. But if God ever comes to one of us and says, was that all? The scariest question that God could ask you, did you give me all? Is that all your tithe? Is that all you've got? And then you lie to the Holy Ghost because apathy has got into your heart. And you think, well, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Just do a little bit. God will judge that type of spirit. But if we're the church, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, and we say, God, I'm going to give everything to you, there is untold revival and blessing that we will obtain. I want to have all that God has for me. I want to almost, if you will, be spiritually greedy. God, I want it. They don't want it, God. I want it. If my neighbor refuses it, God, I want it. If nobody else wants it, God, I want it. I want that blessing, God. I want that blessing, that birthright. I want that blessing of God upon my life. Refusing to allow apathy to get into your life. 
Amen. As a church, we've got to always be aware that the devil would like to put into our spirits or get us to the point where we become apathetic to the things of God. Does it move me, preacher? Does it move me, pastor? I don't really care what you're saying. Uh, you know, I know you're right, but does it move me? Does it affect me? I'm, ap- I'm apathetic. And apathy leads to atrophy. And it will cause you to die. Enough rejecting the things of God will bring about spiritual death in your life. It will cause you to lose out what God has for you. Amen. Let's close in prayer one more time. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me tonight? And would you close your eyes and would you lift up your your voices to the Lord tonight? God, we thank you for your word tonight. Come on, would you lift your voices with me tonight? Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me direction. Thank you for a word from the Lord tonight. Thank you, God, for helping me to go forward in you. I love you, Lord. I praise you. I'll stretch myself. I'll exercise my faith. I'll push myself in prayer and the word of God. I love you today, Jesus. I love you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. The next several days as we go on to our homes.